and welcome to the final episode of the spin the wheel doctor who podcast um i'm will and once again i am joined by my illustrious co-host andrew kemp andy how are you hello hello i'm all right i'm running on zero sleep but it's fine because i watched nearly a full series of doctor who in the time that i didn't sleep yeah we'll get to that we've ju- we've just been having a long discussion for like an hour and a bit like just talking about doctor who catching up and stuff so yeah uh, and andy's really tired and but again he was coherent in the discussion so i'm sure he'll uh be able to manage i'm fine this. yeah he's he's all right and we're talking about an episode that spoiler alert i have very strong feelings about yeah <laughs> Uh, for the right reasons, I uh, I may as well just explain. Um, but yeah, we were meant to have a guest today, um, like a really big Doctor Who guest, but they have not turned up. So we had to settle with the next best thing, Michael Wilson. How are you, Michael? <laughs> Hello. Oh God, I've been upgraded to co-host, even though you were here first, and you're now substitute guest. It's fine. I, I've, I've explained my uh, lack of interest in Doctor Who these days. I, I was just going to say, on on the note of what Mike uh, just said there about really having no interest in talking about Doctor Who anymore like on the internet or anything, mm. honestly, that session I had of just watching nine episodes, just back to back, no, like, no reviewing, no, yeah. like, no discussion, no Twitter conversation, no nothing, just me sitting down and enjoying some episodes of a show I love was so nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like, when I watched, like, The Smith era, I know that... I know Twitter, like, is pretty critical of it in recent years, but I think, I don't give a shit. I'm still going to watch this, and I'm still going to bloody enjoy it. And that's why I left Twitter, because it's so toxic. It's so... It's just so... It, they don't focus on the positives ever, and I just think... Yep just focus on what you love why do you always have to break things down deconstruct it say it's crap and put other people down and that's why i think i'll log out but in this case i deactivate and i just think i will watch the show that i love and i will enjoy what i like to enjoy and i know some stuff hasn't aged well of that i like but i can still recognize that it's flawed but i still bloody love it yeah, that's the weird thing. I mean, um, that, when I kind of pivoted away to talking and about discussing Doctor Who, I'm still watching, by the way. I'm watching through the classics and occasionally a few uh, random episodes. But um, I found that Star Trek Twitter is just so much nicer, or I've blocked all the right people. I mentioned this on Twitter the other day because everybody that talks about that can acknowledge the problems or, you know, different attitudes if you're going back to the 60s or whatever. Yeah, without starting a fucking war with each other. Without starting a, a, a huge discourse, and they're always positive about the things they like in the show. Yeah. Uh, more than they're talking about, like, well, if you like this, you're an idiot I, or whatever. I, I never understand. Sorry to get no, no worries. but it's like... It, I hate the fact that Doctor Who Twitter has gotten to the point where I could say a simple phrase that is true, it's just my opinion. For example, I don't like Ryan at all as Mm. a companion. He just does not work for me. 
But me saying that would then have me branded as a racist. It'd be like, oh, you're a racist because you don't like him because he's black. I'm like, no, that's not the case at all. I just don't like him because I don't like how the character's written and I don't particularly like how he's played. I got tarred for the exact opposite problem and wasn't listened to because I said that I adore the love story between John Smith and Joan Redfern and was told, well, if you like Joan Redfern, you're racist. I was like, oh, yeah. I, I give up. <laughs> yeah. And you all know about the situation with me on Twitter a few years ago. But what I found was really interesting was the people that kind of threw me off Twitter originally. They had the problem with me that I didn't like Series 11. Uh, when I actually kind of used the keyword Twitter search feature and the person who really had the issue with me kind of explained why they didn't like me, it was less so with what they were accusing me of, but it was in fact just because I was so... Uh, quote unquote close minded to series 11 and that I thought that's a bit unfair that you're kind of just like shrugging me off just because I don't like something that you like and I just think the kind of gatekeeping censorship if you don't like something that I like I will attack you I will reply to you and I will reply saying that you're wrong and I think that's just the culture that Twitter but has then, made but then if you say that something they like is bad or, they'll get defensive yeah or if they say that something you like is bad and you get defensive then they're in the right suddenly yeah it's like oh yeah, I can exactly. say that but it's like oh, because oh. I saw a, a Twitter post like yesterday in fact that was made a couple of days ago and it was like um, the fourth series of a new sh oh no the third series of a new doctor is always epic and it they uh showed series four series seven and uh they said series um and they said series 13 is if the trend is to be continued that is going to be epic and then someone replied and i know this person because they blocked me and i know that they're a staunch series 11 and 12 defender uh they said but what about series seven that's shit and then so, uh, a load of people kind of replied to them saying um how can you say how can you be so carefree about like brandishing some of the shit if you like something that you don't like other people shitting on and i just thought well done twitter for actually recognizing that and then he eventually deleted the tweet and i thought don't defend something you like by taking something else down and i have fallen down that rabbit hole in the past i admit especially when i was on twitter in 2018 2019 but i've yeah. matured and i've just realized that's not the way to go about it which is why I, I, I in the last caring. year I didn't tweet any opinions. Like I, I just like I would say, oh, I love this episode. I love that episode. But I don't care for the discourse. I don't care for discussion, uh, so to speak, or like just arguing. It turned out to be just because it's crap and Twitter's crap. And when Michael, you left, I was like, good on you. And then you came back, and I thought, really? And then I left, and I just think I have no desire to go back for the exact reasons why you originally yeah. left. And I thought, why did you? Why did you go back? Well, I just, uh, like I said, I blocked all of the right people, certainly when it came to some things. And I really do, um, like the, the friends that I've made on Star Trek Twitter, if you want to call it that, I wouldn't want to not talk to because they're genuinely some of the loveliest people. And even when I've been struggling and having a bad time, they're always the first ones to reply. Yeah. Um, but then again, like I said, that's the problem is that Twitter has made everything binary and i think it stems not to get too deep but it started with politics because it was like you have to pick a side you can't say you can't say oh well the party that i don't support has one good idea because then you'll get called a fascist or whatever mm. and it's like if i say oh i like the the jody whitaker era oh i'm a jody stan and i'm attacking everybody that doesn't like it 
and it's the same with the people that I blocked from Star Trek because it's like, well, if you accept the new stuff as actually being official canon, then you're just an idiot or a CBS shill or a defender of yeah. the new stuff, and and you can't possibly be as good of a fan as the people who reject it. Was, it. it was why I was really glad that the tweet you made about Ascension of the Cybermen got such positive reaction in terms of the yeah. likes. You said something along the lines of Ascension of the Cybermen is the, one of the best uh, stories in recent years, and then someone said, uh, "How long? Two years? How many years? Two? Yeah." yeah. <laughs> but I'm still so glad that that was outweighed by the positivity in terms of the likes and stuff like that because you got like 200 well, likes i was really impressed see that stemmed from the fact i didn't even call anybody out because i don't like to do that but that was because somebody who's a big well-known doctor who youtuber had posted oh i hope we get writing of episodes more like the quality of rosa and demons of the punjab etc and not like really piss poor episodes like something something and ascension of the cybermen and i was like when when did we establish that ascension of the cybermen is apparently I'll, i rewatched that one the other week and i thought it was good yeah i like it and i thought but i thought like that's because that's such a big youtuber anyway i was like oh is the consensus that that episode's bad because he said it with such assuredness yeah. and with I mean, a couple of other examples and i was like oh maybe i am alone in liking it then. if i was in full on twitter mode i'd probably say but it's not even as good as the Cyberman story before it, like what do you call it, the Doctor Falls, because I think that's a superior story. So it's not even better than the one it pre- no. uh, precedes. But the point is, you said one of the best in recent years. That's not attacking any other story. It's just yeah, being harmless and it's good. I like it. Maybe one of the best out of Chibnall's era is, would be my point. Not like, oh, going back to previous eras and stuff. And yeah, fair enough, the last Cyberman story was an absolute stone cold classic. Yeah. But I would still say Ascension of the Cybermen, if we're going to try to do the comparison argument, is better than like Dark Water and Death in Heaven. Um, I would disagree with Dark Water, but Death in Heaven, definitely. Yeah, fair enough. Just want to throw it out there as great. well while we're talking about this. Is like, it's also gotten to a point where. I just stopped watching a bunch of Doctor Who YouTubers, even ones that I liked originally. So like, again, Will, you can bleep this if you want. Yeah, no worries. You can't tweet about your negative thoughts about this era, but then I just see a load of hate towards like series, uh, what do you call it, series two and series seven constantly, especially series seven. And I think I really like that series, but I'm not going to mention it because I don't care. But you clearly do when it's about series 11 and stuff. Yeah, you, you can't post negativity about the current era, but you also can't post positivity about Thank the previous you. ones. Exactly. No, you can't post positivity about this era either. That's the thing. That's why I stopped bothering because as soon as you do, somebody tries to get into an argument with you about it to prove and that it, you're wrong. It, it's that, it's the mentality. <laughs> I hate, sorry, this is one on a massive tangent, but the, the, the mentality I despise is that sort of, um, sort of, oh, what, what would you call it? Um, like almost like a, like a god complex kind of thing, or like, like I think you said gatekeeper earlier, the sort of mentality of being like, haha, you like this, or you think this is canon, then you're not a real fan. It's like, what even is a real fan? If you like something, then you're a fan of it, that's it. Yeah. If you are, just let me say this definitively, if you are a fan of the current era of Doctor Who, Series 11 and Series 12, and the Jodie Whittaker era as a whole, you are a fan of Doctor Who. Because guess what? It is Doctor Who. If you are a fan of the RTD era, or the Moffat era, or just all of it, you are a Doctor Who fan. Mm. And no one can tell you that you're not. Yeah, anyway, that was a long tangent. Uh, that was a really long tangent. Uh, but yeah, you yeah. got half of that, I would assume. Uh, we're, yeah. reviewing, we're reviewing Girl of the Fireplace, which but was bef- planned to be our anniversary yeah. episode. But since that's now not happening because most of us have gone, you know what? We really can't be bothered to talk about Doctor Who on the yeah. internet anymore. We're and using it as the finale. Podcast instead. Yeah, but um, basically, 
before we do get into the review i just want to point out to the uh, viewers like you may not have noticed it but we weren't in your uh, subscriptions box for the last two two three weeks and you may be thinking why and then you may click on the to this video uh looking for an explanation and it's because i had a bit of a meltdown and i thought screw this i, I can't be bothered so we decided okay we're gonna do one more episode just for a coherent end and um but this isn't the end of, well this is the end of the podcast kind of but this isn't the end for us as a trio and i think we've all mentioned like we have a lot of uh, what do you call it sticks in the fire or something like that logs in the fire and we do have some other stuff that you can go check us out on i mean that, um, that's the thing i'd love to work with you two again yeah like genuinely because i really like the dynamic we have Oh, absolutely! Like we just been speaking I, for an hour and a half. I'd be, I'd be really sad if we lost that because I really enjoy doing this with you guys. Well, this is why I'm always asking yeah, you back on the other idea, <laughs> podcast ideas that I have. So, don't worry. We, I'm, we, we, we've there. already said we'll, we'll come on your Star Trek one, and you better put Princess Bride on your film one because I am. There I am now. <laughs> but I am absolutely yeah. there for that. What I'm trying to side pedal this into is like promotion because I don't want to leave it to the end just in case people do click off. I just want to get across now, like where people can find you, what you are doing, right. um, up to date. Right. So, Andy, do you want to go first while you? I was going to let you guys go first. Oh God. Okay, uh, so Michael, do you want to go first? Okay, well, you can find me and Will on the Big Screen Podcast channel. We are about halfway through our first series. Uh, we're going to do about another four, three or four more reviews, then take a little break. But hopefully we're going to reconvene and maybe uh, have a few more guests involved in the next series. Uh, where we That basically is just us talking about film because we're both huge cinephiles and film geeks. Um, you should check those out if you get a chance. They're only an hour long. We're trying to keep to roughly around an hour, so it's not like hugely in-depth and it's very much... Um, it, it's almost like uh, introducing each other to our favourite films as well, which gives it a nice touch. Yeah. Um, See, that's Will... fun. I like that. I, yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, because Will hadn't seen a lot of sort of um, really well-known ones and managed to find some films that I'd never seen um, that I've, you know, certainly liked, if not loved. Um, so, yeah, we're doing that and... I don't know when this will go out, but I am launching a Star Trek Hit or Miss podcast, um, which is kind of a spin-off from the Doctor Who Hit or Miss that we started doing back in Series 1. Um, I have all the guests on board, so all the episodes are there, but I won't reveal what they are. Um, initially, the plan is for a 10 or 11 episode series, uh, because I have enough guests for that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. And again, that that's going to be... I'm going to try to stick to anywhere between 60 and 90 minutes absolute tops, uh, which will be, again, hit or miss section, uh, potentially, and then just a review of the episode. So it'll be very similar in a lot of ways to a shortened down first series of sort of hit or miss Doctor Who. Uh, and yeah, hopefully uh, we'll keep chatting. And uh, oh, I'm still following the other two in their projects, which are very good. And I recommend and we'll let them explain to you. I mean, I guess the main one for me to shout out at the moment is uh, the podcast that I do with my uh, my boyfriend, Phil, and one of our close friends who also happens to be our upstairs neighbour, which is the whole point of the title, which is We Pay For Your Floor. Uh, it's a, I guess you'd call it an improv comedy podcast in the sense where we have segments planned, but none of it is scripted. So we have like, we'll each come in with like maybe a topic we want to discuss or a game that we have planned. Uh, the Sarah's Vagina Podcast. <laughs> yeah, for some reason we talk about Sarah's um, privates a lot. I don't know why, because we're a gay couple. So why 
we have this weird fascination with her vagina is beyond me. But the point is, it's a kind of improv comedy podcast that we have a ton of fun making. It really is kind of our our brainchild. We love it. We put so much effort into it. Uh, and it's a hell of a lot of fun to do. We have such a good laugh, so please go and check that out. Because mm. uh, it is a really good... It's just a really fun time. It's just us being silly for like 45 minutes, and it is really a lot of fun. Also, I will hopefully, at some, I keep saying this, in the next like month or so, start streaming again, finally. I just hit a roadblock. I broke my nose and went, right, fuck it. But yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, and you can also find me on my personal YouTube where I do like music covers mainly, but I haven't done mm. one for like a month, so yeah. Yeah. They're good, though. They're very good. Thank you. Mm. I take pride in my singing ability. <laughs> uh, yeah, so sure, all of that will be in the description. Yeah, but as for me, I have launched my own YouTube channel again. Uh, it kind of follows the hit or miss trend. It's called Hit or Miss Question Mark Colon Doctor Who Reviews. I do like comedic um, reviews of the episodes solo for like eight, for eight minutes. And apparently, the reception has been really good so far. Uh, by the time this episode goes up, I think two would have been out by now. Uh, so I yeah, loved the first one. Out. The first one was really funny. Thank you. I am done episode two, yeah. So hopefully, you do like the second one as well. Uh, but yeah, again. Have, have, you, done, have you done episode two? I haven't yet. No. Oh, please! Right, just for me, just for me, as okay. as one of your close friends, as one of your closest Doctor yeah. Who friends, I need you to include a, either meme it or just include the clip of a certain part, and it's just a meme between me and Phil. But if it's in there, it will make us both very happy. Can you just emphasise the part where Jackie goes Wednesday all day? <laughs> because, okay. because whenever it is a Wednesday now, one of us will say, "What day is it?" and the other will respond, "Oh, it's Wednesday all day." Because we love Jackie Tyler. I yeah. think she's an icon. Yeah, when I asked you for your favorite moment, I was like surprised when you said Jackie Tyler. I was like, "What? She's barely in it." And then I just thought, "Okay, that uh, that's understandable." I fucking love Jackie. Yeah. She's such a mean... I hated her as a kid, and now I'm growing up, I'm like, she's one of my favourite characters. <laughs> she, she's yeah. an absolute meme, and I love her. But yeah, um, so yeah, that's for me. And also, we may have a little something coming next year with uh, me and Nandy. Well, kind of. Um, a Doctor Who kind of series, but I won't get much into that because that is very much in the early, 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 is, early, early Is it bad that when you said that, my first thought was, do we? <laughs> well, and then, and then, like, and then I have something that Andy go, will be involved in. Oh, is that okay? Yeah, nice. I love how really we're, I love how we're two hours into it, like a recording, and then we're going to be about was, three minutes into the edit. <laughs> I was just going to say to you for the laughs. Should we just immediately just go straight and give our scores for Girls in the Fireplace, then end, and then just put out the podcast? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> for like three seconds. We talk about everything but the episode. Yeah, we need to get on with this. If you hadn't guessed oh, already, it is indeed the Girl in the Fireplace, as per the thumbnail, and... as per the title, as per the description even. Uh, but yeah, again, if you want to see us in the future, there, there's the links in the description. Do check out everyone out and subscribe, follow, but again... If you're watching this, you probably follow us on Twitter. Except for Michael, because apparently about half the fucking Twitter community is blocked by you. What? You said you block <laughs> a lot of people. Oh, I blocked a lot of Star Trek negatives. Oh, that I mean, fucking also... pun went down the drain, as they always do. <laughs> anyway, Girl in the Fireplace. Um, I do not want to leave this review, but I know Andy really likes this episode. Right? So I think, Andy, you've done some Spoilers. great... Spoilers! Um, you've done some great hosting the series. I am Ian role. Um... 
So I think you're more than capable of doing this. So yeah, Girl in the Fireplace. It is an episode that exists in series two. So from 2006, it is episode four of series two. And after 15 years, I think it still holds up immaculately well. Yeah. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just right off the bat, gonna make it very clear. I freaking adore this episode, even now, 15 years later. But anyway, right. So we normally start by talking about the the, the TARDIS team, don't we? Mm. Who, in this episode, we obviously have the Tenth Doctor, Rose, and Name Redacted. Uh, yeah. I purposely have. I purposely avoided I making notes about Mickey because I wasn't sure if we really wanted to talk about him given it's, all the it's really stuff that's come to light. I do have a couple of notes about him and especially in the scenes that he's in, I think they're pretty good. I made but one it's just note, but, yeah. I mean, I can give you my one note now and then there's no reason for me to mention him after Yeah, let's that. talk about Mickey. Yeah, sure, go on. Yeah, get off go the back. Um, my one note is just even before the controversy, Mickey is completely superfluous in this episode. <laughs> he's got nothing to do. I do think they're absolutely sidelined in this episode, but they do get pretty cool scene towards the start where Mickey reacts to being on a spaceship. Uh, it was in the sequence as well where you get a CGI shot that pans from Rose looking out of the window to the full exterior of the ship yeah. really quickly, which I think is beautiful. Uh, but in the sequence, I do, I did notice there is a poor coincidence in this, and it's the use of the word "fag" to describe the cigarette, and then the very next moment being the term, uh, the team can smell humans on fire, the barbecue, as they put it. And I think, considering the origins of the word "fag," I do think that's a unlucky coincidence, and I do think that bit has aged quite poorly, uh, especially as I learn as I grow older what that used to mean. You guys in, in all fairness, though, I, I'm from a part of England where that is still like a very commonly used word for a cigarette. Yeah, so, like, it's not in the south, so that maybe that's. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're from the north. We're from the north. It's still a very commonly used word. Yeah. I still get a chuckle out of that line. I don't know why. It's just the way that she so casually says, "Well, we're in deep space, and so they haven't just popped out for a quick fag." But I just find it really amusing, even though, like, obviously, you know, maybe don't use that word now. Yeah. Um, I'm saying that's if I have a problem with people not using that word. As a gay person, you'd think I'd be like, oh, no, don't use that word. I mean, um, if, if it is, depends on the context, because you didn't go from my throat when I said it, but that's I'm the thing. It, it depend, yeah, for me, for, me, for me, it depends on the context. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I mean, at the, at the um, end I, of the day, it is also a vegetable, so... That is, all, that yeah. is true. That is true. <laughs> um, my main note that I had about Mickey was I actually do like his character a lot in series two because they oh, actually give him some good development. Uh, so my exact note is um, Mickey, I like you a lot as a character, although you do get sidelined in this episode. Shame about your actor. <laughs> yeah. And I do. I I will still forever love the scene where he's with his gran in um, the Rise of the Cybermen, where he goes to visit her, and then she kind of hits him. But then it's like a really seldom moment, and I just think, even though the actor is a bit of a well, a massive prick, I can still yeah. appreciate the excellent writing that the character did receive. Um, several points in the series, and I, I think did also have exit um, was really sorry. emotional as well. Yeah, very. Sorry, I did also have one other note that I've just realised as well, um, which is a slight negative, but it's that Moffat has said that it's a bit of a continuity error that um, Rose is so kind of cheerful around Mickey because she ends school reunion with being like really bitter that he's on board the TARDIS. Um, and Moffat says it's because he hadn't seen school reunion, so I didn't know that. He was just told... 
I'm oh, not surprised because when I was actually researching this episode, one of the biggest criticisms people did have, the critics of this episode, they said um, that the Doctor abandoned Rose so easily uh, at the end to go to be with Renette. Even in the previous episode, School Reunion, uh, the Doctor makes a point that he's never going to abandon Rose like she, uh, he did Sarah Jane. So that was one of the criticisms they had. And I completely understood. Like, I never would yeah. have made that link. But I, I guess that's that's what people see when they go on critical hat on i suppose yeah on a, on a similar note as well to that is um a, again something i picked up from an interview with moffat where he says that he hadn't even seen um the christmas invasion before writing this so he didn't know that there was already a line about how the tardis translates and then showing you an example of that and stuff um so he says he hates the line where he has he has mickey explain that or explain to him um, you know, oh, don't, she's not speaking French. So the TARDIS translates, yeah. and he says all he, the best he could do was to just quickly add the word "what," even French, which he admits is a stupid line and makes Mickey sound like an idiot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair play. I mean, he was called Mickey the idiot for most of season one, so like, it's not completely inaccurate. Yeah, true. Yeah. But I think it kind of feeds yeah. into the portrayal of the Doctor in this episode. He's surprisingly alien for me, even though he's presented in human-like scenarios. Like, his lack of loyalty and i guess you can link it again to school reunion like with um what do you call it uh with sarah jane like that's the doctor's character you could say the lack of loyalty he leaves you behind something that can be attributed to the abrasiveness i think and i think that's further explored in series three especially with his treatment towards martha and i think yes you can criticize it but i do think it kind of feeds into the character of the 10th doctor especially maybe yeah. that's just me I, I I think it's, it's quite difficult to talk about the companions in this story because, like Michael said earlier, they do kind of get sidelined quite a bit. Um, which, in yeah. all fairness, in my opinion, is for the best, really. Because yeah. I feel yeah. like the episode wouldn't really work as well as it does if, like, most of the screen time wasn't given to developing uh, the Doctor and Renette's relationship. Yeah. Um, but, like, at least, at least they'll still get some nice moments. Yes. Um, which is good. And also, this is... I think I've said it on the podcast before. I don't dislike Rose by any means, but she is my least favourite companion of the pre-Chibnall era, yeah. if that makes sense. Before, like, Ryan and Graham came along, she was my least favourite companion. I think she was Not superb to... in Series 1, but Series 2, she lost it. See, funny enough, I... I don't necessarily disagree, but also, like, the main story that I remember really liking Rosen is the Satan Pit two-parter. Oh, that's one yes. of the worst, in my opinion. Really? I love her in that episode. As in, the, the two episodes are really great, but I just think the writer didn't know what to do with her. So she just kind of said, oh, like a roller coaster and stuff like that. I think, yeah, you're not ad ad actually adding anything to the plot. You're I, just saying I, I like things. her in that episode. I, I feel like it's where she really properly comes into her own because she has to do so much without the Doctor. And she yeah. kind of... I don't know. I personally really in part enjoy two, her in that sure. In part two. But anyway, we're not talking about... Oh, we're talking about going in the fireplace. Yeah. Um, but no, she does still get some really nice moments. In particular, I really like the scene where... Uh, they're going around the spaceship and discovering the the different body parts within the different systems. Which, by the way, is when you think about it, really fucking gory and grotesque. Yeah, it's some quite. Yeah. I've, I've made that note. It's actually some quite good body horror idea, which you wouldn't necessarily expect for a quote unquote kids show. But yeah, yeah, it's a cool concept. I do think it could have been explored more, as that is incredibly eerie. But instead, we got. Uh, like we saw the heart, we were introduced to the heart, which looked really creepy, but it had like upbeat music above it, making the reveal like 
really I, comical. I, I can still hear the music in my head because I know the music of this episode really well because I freaking love the I mean, soundtrack the, of this episode. The music is fantastic. The Renette f- theme is superb. But the fact that they introduced the heart, which is a really creepy image, but then they put really upbeat music behind it. In, in all fairness, the music kind of dies down when they see the heart, they, but yes, then it immediately yeah. comes back once they shut the thing. Yeah. But yeah, like the, the whole the body horror of it is really good, and I do kind of wish they explored it more. But I also understand that they probably couldn't have really gotten away with much more because at the end of the day, it was still you know prime time yeah. BBC um, television for a family. So hmm. out of curiosity, have either one of you seen the TARDIS sword, as it was called that aired before this? Uh, I might have done, but if I did, it was years ago. TARDIS sword. The they, they did like for out series two they did like one or two minute prequel things to every episode uh and the one before this episode is the crew getting chased by the um clockwork droids which is something you don't see a can lot we of take a pause out of this episode just I, so we can I watch it go, yeah, i was about to ask right. i want to see this I, I'm, I'm gonna think, go watch it just to bring it back to it um i think the the tardis Odes, which is a dumb name but fair enough were a really cool like promotional tool kind of idea but this is one of the examples where i really feel like that would be cool if it was in the episode yeah because <laughs> like hmm. Even though it gets explained that the ship got damaged in a storm, it was actually nice to see that that happened. And it was just nice. the horror of it as well. I mean, that's a real sense, even though you don't see anything gory or whatever yet, again, to your point, but you get the sense of them saying, like, oh, thank God, repair thing, and then just the sort of red light and the scream. And the fact that it was the scream that broke the clock, not a clockwork droid, which is not any part of the episode, you mm. know? No, you could definitely um, see that being the uh, pre-title sequence before then. Yeah, yeah that's like, that's a cold but, Although I will yeah. say, since we, since we just mentioned the cold open, I love that this episode does. Uh, I don't. Know, I can't remember what the name is for this trope, but I like to call it the Blood Brothers effect, where like the very start of the story is basically the end, yeah. and then the whole story proceed like after it is showing you how they get to that point. Yes, uh, I I really like that this episode yeah. does that as the as the uh, the cold open. I don't know if you guys seen it, but the confidential actually kind of covered this. Julie Gardner, the producer at the time, uh, she said that when she read the first page of the script, she thought it would just be aliens chasing people through corals, like one of those episodes. But then she turned over to the second page after the title sequence, and she was shocked when the uh, she found out that they were in the fifty first century all of a sudden. And then she said it was that moment that she realized it wasn't going to be straightforward. And I just love that for Moffat. That's such a Moffat thing to do. Yeah. There are so many things in this episode that I, on rewatch, saw and go, yeah, that's Moffat. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> like the the broken clock. That's very Moffat. Um, I mean, just the like. This is the, kind the of like whole, a trial the whole run. The whole of it. Really, I think this is a trial run for River. Oh no, I, I definitely think it's Amy because he's a young girl's imaginary friend who then oh, develops no. a massive okay. obsession with him. Kind, I think it's kind of both. It yeah. actually, if you think about it, because like the whole time travel aspect of how they keep meeting is also kind of very river yeah but um, he does that with the Emmy as well because he ages like he says he'll be right back and then comes back and she's 19 and then disappears and then she's 22 so <laughs> i almost think it's more effective in this though just because it's because it, we see all and this is one of the notes i had at the end but i'll just sort of touch on it now is that the i love how the story is told given the fact that we only have 45 minutes to tell it Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's it's gotta I think be it's, very it's phenomenally done. It's really well paced as well. And I, I love the fact that because we see everything from like the doctor's perspective, um 
it makes it more believable for us because like for him until the end when he gets stuck for him yeah it's just been like you know 40 minutes but for her it's been years and it's really it's really well done how they translate that onto screen if that makes sense yeah um and it, i don't and- think it's just her i think there's actually a scene um like in the final scene i'm just gonna just jump straight to it i think tenet was superb in the final uh kind of interaction between him and the king of france when yeah he finds out Louis, when I, has- I made a note of that yeah but uh, what is interesting in the scene is I think Ben Turner does a really good job of balancing the wonderment of the Doctor's lack of aging but also the grief that uh, his partner just passed away and I think that that just kind of summarises the episode into one really neat scene and I think the acting, from an acting standpoint both Ben Turner and David Tennant were superb and I think yeah. that kind of gets upon what you were trying to say that's my I really like that touch in that scene as well I really like the touch that he asks the doctor what she said and the doctor without even acknowledging just tucks the letter away and instead of being upset mm. or anything he's just like yes of course quite right um, and yeah. quite respectful about it I was like well, that's actually quite a nice cool touch and very well acted that that whole scene is beautiful the music like, yes, the, well, the, the, super. the, the fi- oh my god that track we're gonna get into that later but I think the final like I think I put it as like the denouement but basically everything after them defeating the droids is just perfection in my opinion yeah, yeah it's heartbreaking uh, it's, surprisingly it's so heartbreaking well. my god I genuinely I've seen this episode so many times and I pretty much cry every single time yeah it just really gets to me uh, but anyway I, I, we're still talking about we're still technically I, talking about the TARDIS team quickly I didn't realise that they got defeated so early into the episode as well it was like 30 minute mark they kind of get cut off and then in the final 15 minutes is just like all the response to that and i just think that did not feel like 15 minutes that felt like more like five and i think again that's just yeah, like a testament to the writing and the pacing of the episode mm-hmm. um what are your overall thoughts on the doctor in this episode uh, michael let me just see if i can find what i thought at the very start of the episode because it's become such a meme and whatever i was a little bit cringy when the doctor opens up with well yeah, yeah well. Kind of i was like oh no <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, other than that, I would say throughout the rest of the episode, Tennant is great because he sells everything. He sells mm-hmm. exposition without you realizing that it's exposition. Oh, absolutely. He sells, he sells some of the Take more ridiculous... Take a note, uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sells some of the more ridiculous ideas and concepts that Moffat could potentially yeah. get a bit. I, I love the part where he's trying to explain how the fireplace yes. works. And he's like, I can't remember what exactly Space he Temple like, hyperlink. Like, yeah. And Rose is like, what? And he's like, I don't know. I just Make made it up. Sense, I, just didn't, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to use the word magic door. Yeah. And then the way, yeah. that, the way that Rose just goes, and on the other side of the magic door. Yeah. It's from <laughs> in 1727 or whatever it is. But it's just like, like uh, that kind of bit of humor in the middle of like a paragraph of exposition, like question and answer question answer and i think if you could kind of say in the uh, current era you'd have just like the doctor explaining that but at least you have some comedy interjoined and it's a really memorable scene as all three of us mentioned it yeah um yeah. other than that yeah just uh, i love the bit obviously with the callback to moffat's last script where the doctor talks about um, he invented the banana daiquiri and also reuses the line bananas are good which at the yeah. time i was thrilled about because it is just a continuing line from moffat's thing so i was like oh he did the thing he said the thing wait does he, when does he reuse that empty child oh, 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 yeah, yeah sorry yeah, yeah. 
He changed the weapon grooves of yeah, Living God into the, He changes the squareness gun for a banana, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he says, Rose, you should, you know, bananas are good. Uh, and then says that again here. So I was like, yeah, callback, great. Plus he's, yeah. he's good in that he's good in that scene acting the fool, um, except that I didn't like, and this relates to an issue that you have with Rose, uh, but you're quite forgiving of. I didn't like that he's like, oh, I'm, you think I'm carrying wine, but it's actually anti-oil. And I'm like, What? In all fairness, one of my few criticisms of the episode, not that it affected my score in the slightest, but one of my few criticisms I did put, I've never understood how that thing with the wine works. I know he says it's not wine, but at the same time I'm like, could we get a better explanation than just one of the oil? Oil makes things work, so if it moves, it doesn't. It's as simple as that. I mean, I, un- I, understand, it, I understand that the whole point is like, well, you have to like, you know, it's gears, it's clockwork, you have to like lubricate it to make it work. So instead, this just sticks it together. I get that. Yeah. But then I'm like, where did he pull this out of? There's just some That's really the point. It's just, I, I'm, I, it's terrible, in my opinion, writing to just say anti before something which yeah in, in Rose you get away with it a little bit because it's the first episode so saying anti-plastic like yeah whatever we'll I go wonder where it. you got that one from <laughs> exactly <laughs> but like by the time you get to this and it's like anti-oil first of all what a dumb name and idea secondly where did you get it you were just in 17th century France yeah <laughs> but in all fairness it's such a small part of the episode that it really doesn't bother me and I for the most part apart from that one little bit love that entire scene yeah. just because it's it's really nice to see Tennant doing like over the top comedy almost mm. like, almost like he's pissed it's really funny I, this is the first time I, it's funny you say it because yeah. this is the first time I realised the Doctor's not actually drunk he's just kind of playing possible no, no, exactly. say. when he's just seen Renette as an adult and he gives it the old oh my how you've grown and starts staring I at her chest I'm like that line. oh like for crying just, out loud that's no, staring at her that, chest that I agree is definitely <laughs> But the one about funny. safe and fit, it just I'm pretty sure he was just talking about the robots that I did oh, not yeah, get I think he's talking about his enemies rather than all. in that. Yeah, one, exactly. Yeah. Um no. I will say, just since we are kind of talking about the doctor, I'll I will I will come back to that scene because I love that entire scene for the most part. I, I love the way that Rose is like trying to almost scare the clockwork droids off when she's like, um uh, oh, because you do not want to mess with our designated driver. It's you know the Daleks? Remember them? And then like he comes and then she's like, they call him the and then he barges in drunk, and she's just like, oh, well, look what the cat dragged in, the oncoming storm. It's just, I love it. I just love the comedy. You sound just like your mother. Yeah, you sound just like your mother. <laughs> um, Jackie Tyler. Um, but anyway, uh, I guess we kind of can include this in TARDIS team, because she's kind of the main focal point of the episode. Thoughts on Renette? Uh, well, she's outcast for me, but uh, yeah, I think uh, Sophia Miles is I put her as sidecast. She's not the TARDIS team. Oh, okay, fair. But yeah, I, I love her commanding nature and her intelligence. One of my slight nitpicks, just again to is the direction they went with this episode. Moffat wrote it to be more like a love fairy tale than an actual depiction of her life. But he justifies it again in the confidential... Or no, it's script to screen uh, episode they did. Uh, he justifies it, specifically the kiss between the pair, that if the Doctor was to fall in love with someone, it would be someone with her intelligence. And I guess it's only a subtle theme slash explanation to the fact but i think it can definitely be seen uh, by renette's ability to rummage through the doctor's mind i think the scene in question doesn't dwell on the fact that she can making it very subtle but it's also excellent when you consider the justification moffat gave for it 
Do you not agree? I mean, I I just I honestly I think I put this a few times, but in my opinion, she is the standout of the episode. Oh, completely. I think yeah. Sophia Miles is incredible in the in the part, and also you probably knew this. I imagine maybe you didn't, but I imagine you did. Mm. Uh, that David Tennant and Sophia Miles were a couple at the time. They yeah. started dating after this episode, actually. Yeah, she's mm. on the um, the video diary on the series two DVD. Yeah, I thought she, I thought they were dating at the time of doing this. No, nope, they met and started dating filming yeah. this episode. Oh but, well, I mean yeah. that kind of explains it because their chemistry is absolutely yeah. incredible. <laughs> their chemistry yeah. is so good, but, so it, I'm not surprised that they ended up dating afterwards. But again, it's not yeah. like the Vincent Van Gogh episode. It's not like a deep dive into the actual life of them. But I do like the line at the end where the king says she always worked too hard, giving her some justice. She wasn't just this woman who was waiting for the doctor all her life. She actually worked, and I think that line kind of cements. I think- kind of established that throughout the entire episode though because even when the doctor first realizes who she is he's oh what is it he goes um, uh, he explains what she does yeah he's like actress singer dancer courtesan but then, fantastic gardener like he lifts off all these but achievements then there's nothing there's nothing to kind of show that and it's like in the battle of Grand school uh, review like michael you mentioned about how the doctor's just explaining these things to the person and i think yeah that is a bad thing and it's the same in this like you can explain it but nothing actually happens with well, it that's, but that's it's different because this is a historical character and there's like actual historical proof that she did do all these things yeah yeah yeah. that's not one whereas I'm saying, in, in but... like whereas in ram score it's like these are made up characters and yeah but yeah, the approach they went with the episode is like a love fairy tale as opposed to a natural depiction of her life oh which yeah yeah absolutely it's a van gogh yeah. that's my point but what moffat did give us was justifiable and was excellent in itself so i can forgive it well that's that's one of my slight criticisms but also i understand that's the way the structure is is that for me the doctor who lives for thousands of years falls in love into a deep powerful love really quickly in this episode because for him it really is just like 45 minutes almost not quite obviously because it's like five hours here and there or whatever but um it seems very quick for him and yet as you said because of the way it's written it has to focus on the love story so that's all you really get i mean i think i honestly think it works like oh i think it absolutely works yeah but there, there was another the, approach they could have went with it, which I would have... I think the writing of Renette just focusing on the love thing works because you have to do that and you yeah. can always research the historical character. But I do think the Doctor, for me, still falls in love far too quickly, just within the sort of grand scope of the series, you know? I wouldn't say uh, he falls in love with her, except in the final scene with her. But before then, it's just more like a, oh, I just knocked Madame de Pompadour. It's not like a love, it's just like a an amazement that yeah, that's no, who she it, is. it's definitely definitely at the, love at the end yeah um but yeah anyway neither here nor there i love the way that renette's written i think it's great that she's calculated but also when she needs to be she's impulsive uh, i love that she's not thick she's aware and she's actually wise yeah uh, and she's actually in, in particular uh, i think that really stands out in the scene where she actually ends up on the ship Yes, and it, yes. it really comes across there with the fact that one, she grasps very quickly what Rose is telling her, and then yeah. even when she's on the ship, even though she, like she even says like I'm very afraid, she still makes the calculated decision of no, I need to go and live my life. I need to prepare myself, knowing yeah. this is going to happen. And like she doesn't like break down. She's sort of a really strong character in the sense she's like, okay, I know this is coming. 
I need to make sure I'm ready for it. Mm. And I, 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 I love how she's written. Did you notice, because you did mention the scene, did you notice, like, this is a positive, by the way, this isn't a negative, but, like, the misplaced vibe of Renette on the spaceship is really well executed. Again, in yeah. the script screen, like, Moffat wants it to be, like, it shouldn't be there. And then, like, it looks like she's just standing in front of her green screen because it's so ridiculous. But she's not. She's not meant to be I mean, there, and it looks yeah, like it. Yeah, because she's in this, like, almost steampunk-looking ship in yeah. this, like... 18th century regal French gown. And the fact that it looks weird is absolutely right. Yeah. And I think you did mention it. Like, the commanding yet reassuring nature. The scene I would, like, kind of link it to was the... When she stops the screaming in the royal court towards the end. Even as she takes it... uh, The creatures take her to her knees with a sword like metal to her throat. The screams are minimal from the extras as Renette's impact wears on. Which I think not only was it good to establish that she was well respected, but it was also well sound mixed and put together as a scene. Yeah, I I love that whole part where (laughs) even when everything is going on, she's like, can we all please just calm down? Yeah, that's the problem. That line is like, this is Versailles, this is the royal court, and we are French. Pretty much exactly the line you are. I, yeah. I told you I've seen this episode so many fucking times. But, Literally, um, at, at the end when they do the letter, I was speaking the letter alongside her. <laughs> yeah, go but, for um, it. No, no, uh, my point would be that, yeah, she's she's very commanding and such a strong character. And more importantly, that Sophia realises her perfectly. I think uh, Sophia Miles is the absolute standout of the episode. She's a great actress oh, anyway. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of acting, don't get me wrong, David, they all, everyone does really well. Like, David's yeah. on, like, really good form, but my God, Sophia Miles steals this episode. She is it's... phenomenal as Renette. Uh, yeah, it's pronounced Sophia, by the way. Is it actually <laughs> Sophia? Yeah. I, I did anyone... not know that. I've always thought it was Sophia. Yeah, I think everyone says it's spelled that way but she doesn't uh, pronounce it that way and given that she follows me on Twitter we're close personal friends so I just thought <laughs> yeah. that's really cool clarify. okay I'll make sure I make sure I say Sophia from now yeah well I was um... followed by Joe Grant so half that Mike <laughs> are, are you followed by Joe Grant <laughs> uh, I, I think wish. I maybe I'm not sure oh. I know she this, definitely replied to me this is a very random comment just a side comment while we are talking about technically the side cast but I don't know if any of you noticed this but you know the scene where uh, Renette's walking through the gardens with the other sort of French autisan I don't know exactly yeah, what who by the way is wasted in this episode yeah it's because Angel, uh... it's Angel Colby who goes From on Merlin. to be Guinevere in Merlin yeah, and goes on to be in Thunderbirds Are Go, by the way, as Keo. Don't don't just call him Merlin. Wait, as in... Wait, I need to look this up. As in, like, the more recent Thunderbirds? Yeah, the CGI one. She's the voice of Keo in every episode. What? No! Is she? <laughs> Did you not know this? No! And I've seen quite a bit of that show, because Phil fucking loves it. It's a brilliant show. Phil has taste. <laughs> Well, I mean, we knew that anyway. <laughs> well, Holy shit! Partner. As if! <laughs> well, that was well. Anyway, not the point. Uh, just quick, quick aside. Off of the horse, we stand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Thank you. The, I love the ridiculousness of, like, one, yeah. just the whole scene of having Arthur the horse just turn up and then the fact that he ends up being integral to the solution <laughs> like, it's Ooh. just 
it's really unexpected and I like that a lot. Yeah. I have a weird behind the scenes fact about Arthur the Horse as well that you may or may you not know. Do. Go on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, the, um, the, he was never actually in the ballroom at any point because he wasn't allowed. Yeah. So they filmed, once he jumps through the mirror, everything that with the 10th Doctor and Arthur was filmed like far away on a paddock or something and then green screened into the ballroom. Um, I so did that, not know that. Yeah, um, and you wouldn't know. I, mean, I, I did make a note though that the CGI of him breaking through the mirror is horrendous. Oh, I like it. I, it what? It's, yeah, it's a, it's it does not moment. hold it well at all. It does. <laughs> I don't think it did. I mean, maybe okay. Maybe it's not the CGI itself. It's more the fact that you can so clearly tell that it's just David Tennant on a horse in a green screen. Uh, at least on the scene well, where he bursts through the mirror. <laughs> and like, it's yeah. just, oh, it looks, I think it looks really bad. I don't care at all, but I do think it looks bad. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, again with the behind the scenes things, I know um, the producers actually said that they couldn't, it couldn't be done. Like it was just too logistical, it was just too expensive. But then Moffat, when he was told over the phone two days before it's going to be filmed, he kind of had like a really quote-unquote sissy fit. He would like broke down in tears, and then eventually they kind of swallowed their pride and they were like, you know what, let's do it. Let's spend a lot of money into it. And apparently it was a really expensive scene. And of course with the editing, they had to merge all the three because it was three different scenes into one so i kind of like if you think it looked bad i can kind of get why because it was such an an ambitious kind of bit of tv and so i think it holds up perfectly but if you don't i can understand but just know it was a really really expensive and difficult scene to put together that's fair um sh should we talk a little bit about the uh the monsters themselves yeah that's what are your thoughts on the pocket droids absolutely mm. what are your thoughts on the clockwork droids michael no, I'll let you go first. It's fine. Okay, uh, I think they're properly creepy. Their ability to go from under the bed to standing tall almost instantly in Renette's bedroom was a terrifying directional move. I do like how they were also revisited kind of in Deep Breath, uh, where the body horror not was kind of, a bit not, not even kind of, they were just outright the same things. Kind yeah. of it's just, they're from the sister ship, the SS Marie, SS Marie Antoinette. Antoinette yeah. But the body horror was explored a lot further, and we kind of mentioned that earlier. But yeah, I really like that. What do you guys think? It's yeah. just random. What do you guys think of Deep Breath? I think it's good. Seven point five out of ten. I rewatched it last. Yeah, week. good but not great. Good but not great. Yeah. Uh, so I'd probably give it an eight. I really like Deep Breath. Yeah, it's around that region. Absolutely. Anyway, that's not the point. But just wanted to just get your opinion. Uh, I think they are. I actually think I prefer the design of them here than I do in deep breath even though like obviously the whole point is they're in a different era in deep breath so they're gonna look different yeah um, I, I think the half-faced man is far creepier as well because it's such a cool the, idea the, the half-faced man is creepier but just in terms of the whimsy of it yeah. i love the design of them in this story i think they both look awesome but like the doctor gushing over how beautiful they were and yeah, it would be like an act of vandalism to destroy it like kind of gives you the feeling that yes it is beautiful and the clockwork is stunning i think it's the gold yeah. vibe of it like the reflectance of it beautiful and the yeah, glass I'd agree. Kind of over it um i mean I, i'm just kind of a sucker for the sort of like renaissance rococo french era anyway uh yeah. i think it's the rococo era it's definitely the renaissance sort of. the point is i'm a sucker for that kind of like aesthetic anyway so like every time i see them i'm like oh my god you're stunning i believe i still have my clockwork droid doll somewhere on the shelf <laughs> 
I don't know if, I, if I've got any pictures, but if I have, I'll have to send you them, Andy. Because um, at that same convention where I met David Warner, um, there was a cosplay competition and two girls had come dressed as the clockwork droids. Oh, that's cool. Really good costumes. I think they may have even won. But um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so did, did, you see, some... did you see what I just put in the chat? I did, yeah. If you need okay. to pop off for five, then. We'll I'll, be like, I'll be like a minute. Right, Michael, do you yeah. want to go through your thoughts? Of yeah, I was just going to say my, my thoughts on the clockwork droids is that, again, they're a cool idea. Um, that they are, were repair droids that are sort of disguised, but the, they're also a really great design. Um, and I love what they do about the whole monster under the bed iconography and how they're in the shadows and then it um, swipes out with the doctor and then stands up. So that's a cool, not, not that that's related to specifically them, but that's just cool the way that it's done, I think, by Moffat or by the director. Um, yeah. And the only other thing I said is that unfortunately I do find that we're supposed to find their cutting tool thing threatening and it just looks really pathetic when it's I, right in I, front of Rose you know, and she's like, like... I think it really works in the scene um, towards the end when the, in the royal court and Renette is put down better? onto her knees by the droids and the third main one walking up to her directly as the camera pans a bit is utterly fantastic. It's creepy, daunting and a fantastic bit of direction in my opinion. Do you know I what just, the one I'm on I, about? Where they kind of... Yeah, it works better there, but it's in. just... The, the, the one scene I'm talking about is when they're strapped down and it's meant to be really terrifying and she's like, don't mess with our designated driver. And it's it's got the cutting tool to her neck and it focuses massively on this tiny little spinning disc <laughs> which just looks so ineffective and crap. And I'm like, oh, if you wanted it to be a scary scene, just have it be a blade at least so that it looks like there's a knife to her throat rather than this little piddly little they didn't want thing. to make it that creepy michael but it looks so pathetic it couldn't it wouldn't it would still do damage if like a spinning car or blade is oh it's neck. not even it's a still... cutting blade it's like a little washer or something that just spins yeah, a lot yeah but then a shaver can uh what do you call it gush you open and then you can bleed it, to death it looks like if they actually put it to her neck it would break at the pressure <laughs> <laughs> yeah her neck would but no the actual like... tool would no, no i don't know what you want uh, about i'm joking that's neither here nor there yeah, but, but um... the screaming played over the intercom system as renette is on the spaceship uh it's not only distressing but incredibly touching not because of the not just because of the stellar performances but again i'll bring it back to the music which i did give a bit of grief earlier with the body horror scene but I think the music through the large parts of this episode is exceptional and it's really moving. And I think it kind of goes under the radar a lot. Not a lot of people talk about it, but it really holds up. Oh, I made a note of it. I think Murray Skull's episode uh, Murray score Gold's. is... Yeah, um, I think <laughs> for me, it's a little bit too much sort of jaunty at the very start. But I get yeah. that that's like, oh, it's the wild adventure and everything. Um, but yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that. But I do think the rest of it is absolutely sublime especially when they find the fireplace and definitely in the last sort of 15 minutes with the whole heartbreaking scene the way that's um accompanied by that music i think is is just fantastic yeah and you know you know i stand murray gold and uh absolutely. really lament him not being on the show anymore because i think he's fantastic but, yeah. yeah and it was actually kind of going back into it because there's some scenes here I just think oh the music could have been better here from Gold because I give Akinola grief it's only fair that I give Gold grief like where are the spits where I think oh that was a bit enough like in Rose I didn't mention the review but it's like when she goes to cut off the um, chain so she can swing on it as she's running to the chain there's this really upbeat funky music and I just think why don't you make this 
intense with intense music and i just think it kind of falls flat that was my point with this episode like i said at the very start the music is so sort of jaunty and like it's almost distracting because i'm like ooh. it didn't he do another show um i don't want to say just in case it's not his but let me have a quick look at what he's done because um i know he did something else and then he, oh yeah he did Vanity Fair and Queerest Folk uh, 1999 and 2000 and this is kind of one of those I think it's Queerest Folk is where Russell T Davies picked him up I oh, may yeah. be wrong but I just know the music and those two are really like upbeat and I just don't think it works in a uh, it's particularly noticeable in series 1 and series 2 those two series have incredible music don't get me wrong but there's just one or two uh, scores in these kind of episodes where I just think that this doesn't suit Doctor Who. This suits. This is straight pulled from Vanity Fair and Queerest Folk, in my opinion. And this okay. and that scene in Rose and this scene in Golden Fireplace is where that kind of um, is obvious to me. Okay. But yeah. Um, that's probably fair. But yeah, related to the Clockwork Droids, since we were talking about them as well, um, I really love the kind of story idea, which I'll get into a bit more later, but the idea that they're opening portals to different times at random because they can't hit it exactly and the idea that they just keep saying she's incomplete which i think is a really clever way of yeah. putting it and um of, of giving you that without actually giving away the big answer at the end mm. what are we I discussing mean, i hope we don't go on for too long because i've only got one note left <laughs> well, I, have discussing? A, I have a few but we were just discussing the clockwork droids and the music so no, uh, on, a, on a um, very quick side note as well the sound design of the monsters I can't do the noise but the noise it makes where it's like it's almost like a spring a metal spring yeah. going like yeah. is uh, really cool as well but yeah, yeah. that was just really that was my like last it. note the, the whole the sound of this entire episode is just amazing from the soundtrack to just like the sound cues of the the uh, the droids themselves it's, it's so good yeah um, I think I think the soundtrack is this is possibly one of the best at least for me personally, because I have a lot of personal attachment to it. But at least mm. for me, it's probably one of the best RTD episodes soundtrack-wise. Mm, I, I think. I think so. I Certainly, think the same individual half, scores. I think individual pieces of music are up there with the best. But as a suite of music on the whole, I don't think so. I, I love the whole piece that plays when it's like in the intro scene that. Uh, I can't remember it goes now. The uh... oh, in Versailles, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I just think that whole thing is gorgeous, and then there's obviously the yes. Madame de Pompadour music, which is oh heartbreaking. Anyway, yeah. um, what other notes did I have uh, in regards to? I think we I think we mostly covered all the clockwork droid stuff. The point is, they work really damn well, and they look really like effective. They're great, yeah. I, th- I oh I thought the clockwork uh, droid design is just amazing, so iconic even after fifteen years. Uh, I also mm-hmm. put uh, something about oh I think I did this in the conclusion actually. Um, yeah, that's in the conclusion, so I'll say that later. But I made note of a few individual lines that I really like yeah, from different. the episode. So um, I'll just go through them in order. Uh, you so have I, the same ones as I do because <laughs> I've said lots of iconic, memorable lines, and I've written yeah, a few. But I, I, really probably like, I really liked the. Uh, I think it was mainly his delivery, but when the Doctor goes, "Mickey, what did pre-revolutionary France do on a spaceship?" Get a little perspective. Yes, I, I like that yeah. line. Uh, and then this line, not necessarily for the line itself, but just how well it just sums up the plot of a woman from the, a ship from the 51st century stalking a woman from the 18th. Why? 
I, like, I think that just sums up the plot really well. And also, on the note, on the back of that, I really like the way that this episode really, like, just, at least for me when I watch it, even, I remember even when I first saw it, I never even batted an eyelid to the fact that, wait, we were on a steam, like a steampunk spaceship and now we're in like pre-revolutionary France, what? Mm-hmm. But I never really batted an eyelid and I think the transitions between the ship scenes and the the uh, the uh, France scenes are kind of like seamless. Yeah. It works really yeah. well. The editing is really well done. Yes, he, he is, is ex- extremely he is- good. So he chews up. Uh, uh, I know Michael's gonna say, "Oh no, you guys are Sandra. fans, so you're gonna say this." But I'm Tangent. genuinely meaning. Yeah, it. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm with Michael. Tangent, tangent. But yes, Fair he enough. is incredible as Prince Philip. Uh, <laughs> I fuck you, Mike. Oh, this. So this is one line in particular, but it's mainly I like the way that. So it's the same line. You'll know which line it is. It's the line oh. where. Um, the, they're questioning the droid about what what happened to the ship and what they're doing. And it's the way that she just repeats the phrase, we did not have parts. And it doesn't, the intonation does not change at all, but with every single repetition, that line becomes more and more sinister. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Tenen well. re- changing the tone of it when he repeats it back and goes, oh, the crew, oh yeah, they didn't have the parts. It's kind of like, I, I didn't do that justice. It was much better than my really <laughs> over the top effect, but yeah. It's really cool as well. No, I really like the way that just that simple repetition of the line gets more and more sinister each time as you realise that she's answering the question each time. Mm. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's Again, it's very Moffat, but it's like fucked up and I love it. Um, yeah. Can I just also, ask a quick question? Because this is literally the final note. No. It's, it's literally... Screw you. This is literally <laughs> the only question I really have. I'm not entirely sure what the very, very end of this episode means. Like the Doctor in the TARDIS explains to Rose that we may never know what the droids, uh, why the droids went after Madame de Pompadour, specifically. Are you kidding me? And then the final shot shows the ship is named after her. Is this just yeah. a way for the episode to pay homage to her in a no, nice... It's, no, no, it's the explanation for why they went after her. Yes, yes, and no, I still no. don't understand, that, which is why I'm asking you why. Because the droids are stupid! They say it in the episode when the Doctor asks why they're going after Madame de Pompadour, they literally say, we are the same. And then she responds, we are in no way the same. The fact Meaning that the ship is we have the same name makes them think that they need her brain for the ship to work. Yeah, like, to, as far as they're concerned, in their way of, like, dumb thinking is, like, we need the central processing unit of Madame de Pompadour, meaning the ship, but they read it as, oh, we need the brain of the actual Madame de Pompadour. Even though I've just been shouted at, I really appreciate your explanation. Thank you. I'm now going to... <laughs> I wasn't trying to shout at you. Sorry, I, I didn't mean like, to do that. I wasn't trying to shout at you, but I was more, like, surprised that you hadn't picked up on that. I just wanted to know. Sorry, I didn't no, mean to say. I, I actually made that note. This is my very last note, but I fucking love that reveal because it's just so cleverly done. And I love the fact that Moffat held that one last bit of information until right at the very end. And then literally just before the credits roll, you go, Oh! oh I didn't. Do you <laughs> realise? I just, I think it's so well done. I knew it meant something, it's but now so I well done. Yeah, it's, it's, it's well done. Uh, I, I love how it's done. It's just for the audience, which yeah. I don't make the fact that the, Yeah, the fact that they don't even realise it, the fact that only we know I like, oh, yes, it's so good. Oh, I did make a note that Moffat is once again using dancing as a metaphor in his second story in a row. Apparently he's not, he's claimed. 
because people have really? said that and Moffat claims absolutely not. He says he's only referring to dancing as dancing and that they didn't sleep together or anything in the episode. Um, he insists, and that's it's from the writer. <laughs> okay, I'll believe him, but I was getting those vibes. <laughs> a lot of people um, have said that, yeah, it's right it's after she reads his mind and then says mm. she needs to dance, but... Yeah, Moffat insists, no, they were just referring to dancing, even though uh, you could probably read it a little bit. We have mentioned this scene, but I genuinely love, I just really love the realisation from the Doctor that she's looking in his mind as opposed to yes. him in hers. I really like how that's played. And I think I think it's sold by the way that they perform it. Because um, it could have come across as like, wait, what the fuck? But because of the way they perform it and how almost subtly it's done, it's like, oh, Okay, that's interesting. And again, I think yes. it just really helps add to the, uh, the the idea that this character is really smart and mm. like quick almost. Um, okay, this is one of the few. Oh, I did, but I did. Oh, I really like the way that the format of the episode and the set pieces allow the story to flow. Because I know you said that from the Doctor's perspective, yeah, he seems to fall in love really quickly. But on the flip side, I genuinely, every time I watch this episode, buy into the idea that Renetta's fallen in love with him. Oh, I, I buy of, that. Because like, the whole imaginary yeah. friend. Like, I completely buy into that. And I think the way that the episode is set up really helps that. It feels yeah. like a genuine, believable love from her side. Well, I need to be actress as well, so yeah. Oh, absolutely. I did put that. I've never really understood why they couldn't just use the TARDIS. Because they're part of a I know. All we get. I know there's a. Fl- <laughs> I know there's a throwaway line of "Oh, we can't do that. We're part of a now." And I'm like, I know. We I'm don't like, have a truck. What? What? It's the same. It's the same flaw that I have. And to be fair, it doesn't bug me as much in this in the episode of Mark to mention because in that one at least it touches on like paradox and stuff. But it's the same reason why the whole like why couldn't the Dots just go back and see Amy and Rory after the end of Saint Manhattan? Yes, that bothers the crap out of me. Yeah, don't start Michael on that. He <laughs> but, needs that one. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty much all my notes I had. Uh, conclusions? I have a handful of notes that I haven't got to. Oh yet. yeah, go through, go through, go through. <laughs> okay. Sorry, it's only a very small handful. Just I wanted to say that um, the episode, even though it's only on DVD, not Blu-ray or anything, when I was watching it, looks gorgeous, which surprised me because it's like from 2006. I think yeah, I was expecting it. I was watching it on iPlayer and it looks stunning. Completely. And um, the, I love the design of everything from the sets of Versailles to the design of the spaceship, which I, I, nobody's ever mentioned this, but is the spaceship supposed to look like a key? Is that playing into the theme? Because I always don't thought... know, but I made, one of my very first notes, I skipped over it because I didn't think it was relevant, but I, my third note is literally, I adore the design of this ship. Oh, completely agree, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing was that, you've already mentioned it, but just a second, the shot of um, panning out from the window when Rose looks through into space is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the, the sort of the idea of the mirrors and tapestries as a shorthand way of connecting the characters through time. Um, I think it's really clever. The ending is absolutely heartbreaking, as we've already said. Uh, and I like that they don't uh, forget that this is the Doctor's favourite period, which calls back to the first Doctor and the Reign of Terror and stuff. Mm. Uh, and the very last that's, thing... Uh, that's a good spot, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he even says one of my yeah. favourites, but yeah. Um, the last thing was just on a story perspective, I wanted to note the similarity to some other things, which is the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode, The Visitor, which featured Ben Sisko reappearing at various points in his son's future until his death. 
and Audrey Niffenegger's novel Time Traveler's Wife about a romance with a man who randomly jumps in and out of a woman's life at various points along her timeline, including her childhood, while she has to live her life linearly. Um, so you couldn't really argue that it's groundbreakingly unique as an idea, but Moffat still does a great job with it. Yeah. That's all my notes. Nice. Yeah. I just wanted to make it, I just wanted to double check something. I wanted to see if there was a reason why the doctor says this. Because in the line, when he first meets Renette through the fireplace and he asks her what year it is, she says uh, 1727. And he, say, he says that line about, oh, yeah, one, one of my favorites. Uh, August is rubbish, though. Stay indoors. <laughs> just a joke. It's just a throwaway line, yeah. Oh, so I was like, is there an actual reason behind that? Yeah, like no, in real life, something may have happened in that month. I think it's just a joke, as far as I could tell. I've I researched it, and there's nothing specifically that happened then. I think it's the way that oh, he's, he I mean, randomly I think, says he likes Saturday. I think it's kind of funny that um, uh, the twin daughters of Louis the Fifteenth were born in August fourteenth, seventeen twenty-seven. <laughs> Fair enough. But it's Maybe that's why it's say it's more to do with the weather. Yeah, I think it's, it's like a weather thing. thing yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, are we moving on to conclusions then? If you like, I don't have a conclusion, but yeah. oh, I do. Okay. Uh, do you want to go first then, Michael? Because mine's quite long. Yeah, mine isn't that long. My thoughts on the episode haven't changed every time I've watched mine's it. Long. It's uh, excellent, not quite perfect, or it lacks that extra sort of, um, you know, blinding impact on me at times. Uh, the Doctor, like I've mentioned before, develops a bond of love a little bit too quickly. Uh, the timey-wimey near-magic stuff is already starting, but I think Moffat pulls it off better here than in future stories. Uh, I can see little nitpicks that I've mentioned, but there's also a heck of a lot of greatness that's undeniable and very effective. The last scenes still get me choked up and the acting and music more than sell the heartbreak. Uh, and I also like that there's some pretty clever writing and sleight of hand before you get that like last awesome reveal. The nitpicks don't take away from the impact and the effectiveness of one of Moffat's tightest scripts and one of the better episodes of the RTD era. So I would go 10 out of 10. Well, did you have one? Uh, no, I, I don't buy. Gave it a 10 out of 10. Only a small handful of nitpicks. Uh, but yeah, it's a really great story. The acting is superb. The pacing of the script is fab. And I think, um, again, mentioned it, but the prototypes for the future Moffira were definitely intertwined. And I did see some people say, you know, uh, that's a negative. That makes the episode not age really well because um, it takes you away from the episode because it's being done in the future and that it doesn't have the great rewatchability, but in my opinion, it absolutely does. Uh, so yeah, it holds up really well. Really great story. Tennant and Sophia are excellent, or however you bloody pronounce your first name. Um, but yeah, superb, 10 out of 10. Not a lot to criticize with it at all. Okay. Uh, mine is um, long. <laughs> uh, this episode is just absolutely sublime. A masterclass in how to do modern who, the performances, are all amazing with David Tennant and a specialist Sophia Miles standing out as the highlights acting wise. The clockwork droids are menacing yet almost kind of silly in their design which makes them really memorable and iconic. Uh, the setting is absolutely perfect and looks beautiful. The plot is stellar. The writing is really just on another level in the way it tells a believable and emotional love story over the course of just 45 minutes for us but 37 years for Renette. If someone were to ask me what my favorite Doctor Who episode is, this would be a very strong contender. It might well be one. Of, it might well be my one of, if not my favorite, standalone episode of the entire show, and it's without a doubt my favorite episode of the whole RTD era. I would be kidding myself if I did not give it a ten. Yay! Yes! Oh, finally. 
finally. Is it, is it weird that this is my favourite RTD era episode? And like, it's written completely. by Moffat. <laughs> when you said it, I said this, I said this for years though. This is absolutely my favorite RTD era episode. Like I cannot think of another Out one that I love more interest. than this. What's the one that you like the most that RTD wrote? Of RT, what? Mm, I mean, Waters of Mars is pretty stellar. He didn't you write that on his own though. Yeah, oh, he did that co-write that, didn't he? Um, it's still bored, wasn't it? Yeah. But RTD solo wrote. Ooh, it's maybe. Probably... It's got to be Stolen Earth Journey's End, hasn't it? No. no. What? I, I, I really like Stolen Earth Journey's End, but I think it's overrated. Ah, oh, I don't agree, but okay. I See, I was going to say maybe Turn Left. Mm-hmm. I think Turn Left is pretty phenomenal. I, I say um, Midnight, I'm going to um, slap you up. Michael. Oh, Midnight as well. <laughs> yeah, there's Midnight as well. Midnight's phenomenal. <laughs> you give it a 1 out of 10. Talk about overrated. Oh, fuck off. Wait, does, my, does Michael not like Midnight? <laughs> you give it a 1 out of 10. It's shot. What? Yeah. It's a stage play. Television shows should do better. <laughs> I'm glad Sorry. we're ending this podcast. <laughs> I need a moment. Yeah. I'm I've trying. never ever heard anyone if... say anything bad about Midnight. I've rewatched it since it aired, to be fair to him. Uh, it's not what I watch often. He stays but confused. Like, it's. In what? Look, I get the budget restrictions and stuff, but I still think it's a cheap ass move to have an episode set on entirely one set in a linear fashion. Like I said, you could do it on the stage. I could put that on as a production tomorrow, and that's not good enough when you're supposed to be the BBC's fledgling science fiction show. Really? Because I think that almost makes the episode even better. That's what that's what it makes it acclaimed is set in one place. The fact that it could be a play, but the fact that it's acted so perfectly well, and it's creepy and it's tense, and oh, wow, I've never ever heard anyone badmouth Midnight. If that episode was in the current era, I guarantee everybody would be complaining about how cheap it was. (laughs) I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I'd just be happy that Chibnall gave us some phenomenal writing. (laughs) Okay, I'm just having a look now down the list of every episode that uh, RTD wrote so I can pick my... I'm trying to think, actually, yeah. Is it really that difficult? I I might have a look now. Yeah, because I remember all the Doctor Who episodes he wrote. What about... uh, Does he wrote, like, three of the episodes of Children of Earth? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote day one, day three, and day five. Oh, well, day five, come on. And I, think, is probably I, think we, I think we all kind of established that Children of Earth is probably the best season of anything Who related. Yeah, probably. Why are we putting our cameras on? I'm not presentable enough to appear on camera. Okay. Well, why are we putting we're our cameras right. on? We're, because this is the final episode, and I think we should say goodbye. And then Bye. I'm in the top left. Bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, guys, that was 40, well, 40 different uploads, but about well over 30 episodes of the podcast uh just to say it's been great fun you two have been superb michael from the start when i conceived the podcast i was like who am i going to do this with because you know i had friendships with uh three others but they were controversial and they got fucking annihilated <laughs> fun story Wait, were, you, were, you, were you friends with all three of them because i thought you were only friends with one of them i i liked universe and then i did uh articles with kuro which was um kind of built up our relationship and fun fact they were actually meant to be the chasers on my doctor who chase videos and then i was also originally going to be on their podcast as a host but i disagreed with electrodes 
kind of vision for it so i was like screw you and then he was like screw you and then we fell out and i was like you know what i'm gonna make my own and then he just like bumped off first few videos and i thought oh fair enough <laughs> so i, I like, mean yeah. like we kind of know what happened with those three anyway yeah. so. so again like uh bullet missed like they eventually went on to do their podcast with Osmond Bonnet and they got cancelled so word, word of advice for people out there don't don't do death threats but also <laughs> if you're gonna do a death threat don't put it out on a public podcast for everyone else to hear yeah. and specifically don't do it on a podcast and then for some reason decide oh let's not edit that bit out <laughs> absolute thing, fucking idiot the thing is i know some people are like on twitter listen to our first three episodes uh, just to see if we actually said anything controversial and specifically me and then i think once they actually found out that i wasn't the guy they uh, accused me of was like i was just like chilling like ha 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 screw you all trying to enjoy the podcast <laughs> stop coming to attack me and i just thought we've built something really really fantastic with these um podcasts and i think yes they're going they're going to be stay, staying up on our channel people are going to be able to watch them time and time again and i do hope they do because question catalog of episodes question yeah i don't know if you remember but a few months ago i think this was originally going to be planned for me to do at the end of season two of back when we were hit or miss but if we're ending the whole Doctor Who thing now, because we know what the the internet is like and blah blah blah, mm. do you still want me to record and put, uh, upload a cover of me performing uh, "My Angel Put the Devil in Me," and we can put it up to this channel? If you can like get a... that done in the next week, I can get it done at the end of this episode. I, uh, us end I was I was gonna, I meant as like as a separate episode uh, as a separate video. This is going to be the yeah, definitive. I think we're trying to find a showgirl outfit in my size. <laughs> Wait, what? So that I can be the back-end dancer, isn't it? <laughs> well, in that case, I need a blonde bob and, like, <laughs> fucking a silver, like... I don't know what the, even the word is. Leotard? Leotard, <laughs> yeah. I'm not dressing in a leotard. I'm not ready for no. drag race. That's fair enough. Yeah, but um, yeah, speaking guys. of which, I should. Oh, I should start a drag race podcast. Okay, let's wrap this up. <laughs> well, look, let's yeah, just just to say yeah. we are all we're, we're like a band that's splitting up. We're all going on to solo projects that you can follow us. But we're not saying the band will never get back together, and we should at least gather to have three-hour chats every now and then. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I, whenever season, whenever series thirteen airs. Whenever series thirteen airs, I expect us to be having like calls. Oh, it's not after every episode, but at least after the series has ended, so we can all be like, either, oh, that was good, wasn't it? Or what was that shite? <laughs> or probably both. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hoping it's good. I, I'm, I'm trying to keep my expectations high, mainly because I, I love Jody. Yeah, I've got low expectations, but that way I can't be uh, disappointed. So yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. That is true. In all fairness, yeah. that's how I went into season twelve, and then I ended up mm. actually liking series twelve. So yeah, true. But true. yeah, we're really well. grateful for your viewership. I know, like consistently, um, 
based on the statistics that we did have four to five people uh religiously like ending right at the end of the podcast like watching all that far so to those three four five people uh thank you so much and i know i'm not one of them because i don't watch the videos back but the spotify and i on spotify we've actually been a success you guys know i haven't actually told you uh but we have had no. consistently two handfuls of people watching us so like nice. every single episode has 10 uh downloads quote unquote which actually means just viewers so 10 people very nice and then i think the first one we did robot sherwood uh when we announced it was going on to spotify that actually has 29 viewers nice so the robot show would you should plug it more really well yeah the spotify uh but yeah guys thank you so much uh just just a quick plug yeah. just a quick plug uh we pay for your floor it's also on spotify you can find us on youtube and on spotify yeah again link will be in the description uh any final thoughts I, well i, I kind of talked about michael like conceiving the podcast well conceiving with him but andy you were a guest originally then you joined us full time yeah thank you very much like? for giving me the option to actually come on as a as a co-host that was really fun sorry i needed to fart there <laughs> but no like genuinely i'm very grateful that you like I, th- I think especially when i think about the fact that i was a guest and that we clicked so well that as soon as we did episode two michael was like would you mind coming back on in a couple of weeks because <laughs> i need a spot to fill and then i got brought back again and yeah it, it was really nice to be able to sort of build that relationship and just i don't know so about the fact that Michael was the one who was like, oh, we should get Andy on as a co-host. Even though you, Will's the one who knew me prior, that's, like, really nice. And it's nice yeah. that I made such a good first impression because I'm normally just a chatterbox who does not know when to shut up. <laughs> See, but I'm quite quiet, so I like that. Oh, I think that's why Phil likes being with me because, like, we're together and I do do all the talking for us and he loves that because he can just sit there and be like I don't have to talk to any of you cunts oh, justice for <laughs> justice for Phil indeed can we have a Phil cameo just for the end for I, will, the sake of it. I, I, I will say one of my absolute highlights of doing this entire thing has definitely been the fact that I got to have Phil as a guest that was really nice when well, he's going to be on the track one. Not only, did we get, not only did I get to have him as a guest but I got to have him as a guest doing an episode of his favorite doctor which was really nice yeah. nice and that yeah was i mean as, shit, as, uh, as shitty as the internet can be one of the the plus sides is having met both of you guys and made friends so thank you for that oh and, yeah uh, definitely. yeah you should you should go grab phil so we can quickly have yeah, him can on we for see a phil with like cameo. a cameo right at the end just to bring it full circle uh no because he might still be at work oh okay he doesn't finish until half past three i'll go and check quickly if he's free but if not then sorry but he's working we need the no problem cycle. that's fine i'll be two seconds what have i done no oh i'm gonna take my camera off then fuck you we can't see yours anyway <laughs> you know what i'm saving it for the edit there we uh, go. i don't believe you you don't believe <laughs> I think me. This okay, is some, I, can't wait I think this is some kind of trickery, and me and Andy are going to be on screen, and you're going to just. There'll be, be a black square that says. Ah, <laughs> screw you! Screw ah, there he is! <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! I, I was on OBS the whole time, and you didn't believe me. Have that. Have that. Phil's busy with work, so. Yeah. That's He's like, here spiritually. One minute, let me get, uh, where's, 
Where's trying to find a picture of him. No, no. <laughs> Phil loves moose, so here he is spiritually. This is his moose. <laughs> he's called yeah. Norbert, but for the sake of this bit, he's Phil. I can just tell we're going to start Fair recording enough. and then instantly Phil just walks through the door like, hi. <laughs> um, I'm going to have like to go anyway. Yeah. My, uh, my battery on my laptop is yeah, dying. We were recording for a, a, lot long, a lot longer than I was expecting, but this has been fun. It's been really nice doing this with you guys. We still haven't recorded an episode as long as the Asylum of the Daleks one. We were here until about four o'clock with that one. Wow, really? Yeah, that. I thought was the Timeless Children one was pretty. In, in, all, in all fairness, in all fairness, we were dying of laughter for like half of that recording. <laughs> okay, since this is the final one, let's just go on a trip down memory lane. What is your favorite favorite memory slash episode that we've done? My favorite episode is it's the Sound of the Daleks one, just because we went on. It just went off the fucking rails so quickly and I was completely there for that mainly because I was the one causing most of it <laughs> I don't want to pick I don't want to pick the same thing because that's dull so I'll say the episode with George White for the basically the same reasons it went off the rails in the hit or miss section oh, and just stayed all, yeah. there <laughs> yeah like the moment the Kylie thing happened that was it the episode was just <laughs> we were done, all yeah. over the place yeah which was great fun to be fair I think my favourite would what about you, be Will? the Battle of Ranskull F. Colos. <laughs> that was the worst one, my <laughs> That's I'm saying it. Uh, no, um, on a real, I think it would probably be Asylum of the Daleks. Or, um, it's a weird one, but Twice Upon a Time, I think Alex Middleton uh, was a really great guest. Uh, guest? Guest. And I think, uh, okay, yeah. Wait, what, are we are we doing are we doing favorite guests? Or is yeah, that a bit do, mean? Let's do favorite oh, that guests. Seems a bit mean. Let's do worst guests as well. <laughs> let's just say all of them. Now, let, no, no, let's have a favorite. No, because Will, 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 you know who my worst guest would be. Yeah, Luke. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I'm keeping that. You in. Have, I don't have a worst. You're gonna have to probably cut this out, but Michael, I don't know if you saw when we did a good man goes to war. But could you hear me getting <laughs> yes. more and more exasperated and just done with this shit? in that episode I, Will contacted me immediately after you'd finished recording and I thought that you'd killed each other <laughs> his response was like oh this went very badly yeah. it was uh, and I don't it think, was so offensive speaking of which I don't think the robot Sherwood recording was pretty smooth because when I uh, messaged Andy saying they actually messaged me saying they enjoyed it and Andy was like what and I was like yeah I know you guys didn't really get along but when I actually edited it and then I sent it to Mike Mike was like Oh, I didn't actually see it as that bad because well, of the I way I edited yeah. it. And it was the same with the Good Man Goes to War one. It's like you can't really tell the abrasiveness of the chemistry just because. Maybe I maybe don't keep this bit on because I don't want people thinking I hate them. Oh no 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 no! Because no, no. I I liked the guys that we did Good Man Goes to uh, Good Man Goes. I liked the guys that did Robot or Sherwood with. Yeah. It was more just a case of I just got the impression that they didn't like me. Yeah. Mm. I think they were Which really is good fair. Guys. I don't expect everyone to like me. I'm so good that after all this time, I never got to record with uh, Little Romana. Mm. We, we, we really should have to ha have her on some kind of podcast. She's yeah. such a laugh as well. Yeah, she's a delight. I love her, just her Twitter. Like, I might, I, ask, if, uh, I might I ask if she's a fan of The Princess Bride. <laughs> Yes, I can't remember what I think. This is just I think this is just after all the stuff that happened with her nan. But she posts a photo of her in like her nan's wheelchair and put like "This is me as Davros or something. And it absolutely, it absolutely killed me. 
Mm. Yeah, she's lovely. She's great. I'm guessing I love that's her. your favorite guest then. Well, uh, well favorite guest that I never got to interact with. Ah. Um, but my, uh, I really liked George White. He was an absolute highlight. Xander was really I like good. Most of the guests. Yeah, Xander, I really like Xander. Xander was Xander was good for half of the time mm-hmm. <laughs> when when he when he could be asked. I love Xander. <laughs> I thought Liam was really good as well. So and then I I'm so sorry I can never remember the name of the guy who we did um, visitation with, but he was great. Oh, Toby, yeah, yeah, Toby was really I good. Mike, oh yeah, he must have the- broke when he says he preferred us over uh, the series one episode. I was like, yeah, get uh, in, improvement. Yeah. That's because anyway. I bring. No, 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 the no, thing, no not is, an improvement over you. I'm just saying that. Uh, I, I sorry, think this, the, the thing is, you, you two are kind of serious for the most part. You kind of get on with the job, and then I came in and I just brought all <laughs> the chaotic energy, and then I influenced Will to be more chaotic. And suddenly, Mike's just sat there going, "I don't know how to keep this together." And then, like in Asylum <laughs> of the Daleks, it just turned to, "Well, if you can't beat them, join them." Dalek porn. Woo! <laughs> I think that was very noticeable it's... in Revolution of the Daleks. We just kind of popped in that one. I know, and I know Michael said. Like, I think we, was... we, I think we work, we yeah. work really well as a trio. I think, especially in the later series, I think we've done a- an excellent job. And I think all again, I can just sat here holding this moose now. <laughs> if you for no reason, yes. I just have a moose now. If you hadn't my, said my... about not wanting to repeat yourself, I would also Ooh. say Asylum would be my favorite because I think yeah. the episode with the three of us was superb. I think in terms of actual work done and approaching the subjects fairly, I still think our Ascension of the Cybermen Timeless Children review was really good because none of us dropped into just ridiculousness and, like, fighting each other. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I I think... Plus, that was my first appearance! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) It's really really touching how... (laughs) It's really touching to me how well you like gelled with me considering you didn't know me at that point it was really nice that like you felt that we gelled as well as i felt that we gelled enough to the point where we were like yeah you can come back on yeah, yeah. So you were on ascension <laughs> and you were on the curse of fatal death dimensions of time with Dan, oh that was great who i really went back on then i was on then, then i was on everything changes with adam adam yep Adam Martin. Adam Martin. I want to say his name. Yeah, he was. He was lovely, actually. Adam Martin oh, was really nice. Oh, how did Dom? Dom good. was great. Dom. Dom. Yes. Dom was great. Dom was amazing. Yeah. Dom. I love him. He's, a, he's amazing. Yeah. yeah. He knew when to kind of input stuff. Was super. So cool. He's just so cool. Yeah. He's also Honestly, coming on the Star just, Trek. I want him to be the doctor on the show. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. So He's I think a massive have... trekkie, so he would fully anyway. agree to come on. And I asked Jamie, anyway. <laughs> Jamie, shout out to Jamie. He listens to us uh, quite a few of Jamie, episodes. very good too. Yeah. I really like Jamie. He was the Toby. great winner in the respect that he got oh. all the views. Every single episode we... he was in, except for the latest one, just banged views. So thank you, Jamie, for Our episode with views. Abby was really good too, and we should have had Abby back on because she was really good. Oh, was that Marky face? If we, uh, we, we, if we ever yeah, do Pyramids of Mars, we, we've definitely promised her that we would have her on for that. So Yeah. I'd like to point out that this podcast has outlived multiple Doctor Who cosplayers. Um, sorry, that's a bit of a dark joke. <laughs> what, what's he on about? What do you mean? Wait, do you not know? Oh. Is, is someone passed away or something? 
No, people no did canceled. you not see? <laughs> what happened? No, people getting cancelled for like bleep this for. Yeah, and uh, approaching uh, minors and okay. stuff. Do you not remember this? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was just like going to be like blackface or something, but the yeah. stuff. It's like a co- yeah. No. Yeah, when we like, when we started this podcast, we probably all thought that uh, what was it we called? Not, not, not my doctor was going to be great. <laughs> we, yeah. we were fully in support of it. And then... Oh god, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I remember really liking their Twitter, and then all that shit happened. I'm like, oh god. I think we need no. to stop idolizing these Twitter community like members because you know when I yeah fuck what hey, I'd like to clarify. <laughs> like, I'd like I... to clarify. I never idolize any of them. Yeah, it's like when I had AK followers, I was really, I wasn't really sort of flex. Yeah, I know eight thousand, <laughs> but I wasn't like egotistical in the kind of sense that some people are. But I still. Get the, I got. I understand why some people thought I was a bit abrasive when it comes to Series 11 and stuff. But what I'm trying to say is, when you get to a, a certain level, and there's a lot of people that want to hear your opinion, so follow you, so to keep up to date with you, it kind of does get to your head, I think. And I think, especially with Josh Carr, not Josh Carr, um, whoever it was, the one that got cancelled, and some others, I think these people just like take it for granted. And I took it for granted, and it came piling down on me. And I just think, I'd... uh, stop idolizing, stop giving a platform to people that are. And don't bloody me. Did you see the the, the day before he got cancelled? They made a Twitter hashtag about him, like praising him, and it was like, "I am this person, or this person rocks." And then the Who next day, this? he's exposed. Uh, one of the people that got cancelled. They was this the not my doctor thing? No, 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 no. They actually like. I know the did. I know the did. They made a hashtag. Not they didn't. Uh, specifically make the hashtag i don't think but they joined in the hashtag about praising or just memeing with like laughing along with this guy who then the day after got cancelled so i'm saying stop yeah. putting you know, these people on a pedestal that didn't oh what's a what's a fucking name emily who did all the the watch along stuff didn't she get like cancelled for something stupid she, only by me <laughs> michael is the one that actually cancelled oh, okay her. yeah but anyway, that's neither yeah. here. Don't keep that in, because I'm fine with it now. I know she she didn't mean any harm, but mm. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to go because my battery is about to die, and I'm gonna. And she needs a lot for the. She that's did, fine. Yeah. Mm. That's fine. Right. Boys, see you later, guys. Uh, see you in a bit. Bye. See you later. Bye. I'm off to watch the suicide. Bye. 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 Bye.